And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Today in our show, we're going to talk about leftism destroys everything, Nashville hate crime, who's to blame, Biden, Taibbi, and the normalization of tyranny, the Restrict Act, censorship snake via the TikTok ban, and Yuval Harari stoking Israeli riots. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. So my producer is now thinking, what is she doing? Because she changed the topic I just sent him. On the First Five, I wanted to talk about leftism destroys everything. And I think it's really important because every topic we're going to hit today, everything we're going to talk about stems from this idea of what leftism really stands for and what it is doing to America. So in the first five, I'm just going to touch on the topics throughout the show. I will be uh, talking about in more depth, and those are what happened in Nashville, the horrible events in Nashville, uh, Biden, Taibbi, and the tier, you know, just normalization of tyranny, uh, what the censorship uh, coming out of Washington stands for, and even on the Israeli riots, if I get to that topic again. But the idea of leftism at its core, you know, I, I talk so much in the show about policies and border policy and tax policy, all sorts of policy. But the larger picture is this. Leftism at its core, I'm not talking about being liberal or open-minded, that's a different word. But leftism, which is the same in America, leftism means progressivism, it means socialism, it means communism, it means today's Democrat party. At the core of leftism is the notion that there is no God. And therefore, because there is no God, as people always call it, godless intellectualism, godless leftism, the notion is there's nothing inherently true. Nothing is really true. And so everything is kind of subject to what you believe or perceive or prefer. That's one basis of leftism's destruction is the failure to understand that actually truth exists and truth is profoundly important in forming your views and your opinions on every topic imaginable. So truth exists and leftism starts from the notion truth doesn't exist at all. This is an abstract concept. Secondly, in leftism, because truth and because God doesn't exist and truth doesn't exist, um, that there's a notion that it's really always a fight for who's ha who has the most power, who gets to control the other guy, who gets to take power and control over every aspect of human life. This is the core of leftism around the world. Whenever leftists come to power, whether it's Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, China, the concept is always grab as much power and control over the people as you possibly can. So you must disarm them as leftists always do. You must cause them to believe they have no right to think for themselves, no right to speak the things they believe in, no right to pursue their uh, beliefs about religion because you're in charge. And leftism at its core is the notion that the people must be controlled. They'll never do the right thing unless we force them to do the right thing. So leftism has as its core that just there's just disdain, inherent disdain uh, for the idea of freedom, for the idea of the individual's right to live in freedom. And so as we see leftism carried out in America, even though leftism, everything about 
leftism, socialism, Marxism, communism, and today's Democrat Party's values, which have been totally swept up by leftism. Everything about leftism is utterly contrary to the idea of America, of the, the founding notions of America, that individuals have the right to live in freedom. They have their, a God-given right, not chosen by the government to say how much freedom you can have, but that individuals have God-given right, and that the purpose of a government, as, as beautiful and extraordinary as the concept of government was in the Declaration of Independence and later in the Constitution, that those ideas are, are they are rooted in, all of those America ideas are rooted in the idea of God-given freedom and God-given identity and, and God having a place in forming values and morals. And you know, America is not this uniquely um, kind of crazy country that has something about um, God or Christianity in its founding ideas. It, it's not the only country that has that at all. Um, and for example, in this world, there are I've forgotten the number now, but there are a very large number of nations that are rooted in Islamic teachings that treat the Quran as the source of truth. And the Quran, to varying degrees, controls everything about that country. And there are countries that are rooted in just tyranny out of communism, Marxism, socialism. And despite their notion that they are, you know, free of the burden of religion, the fact is that communism, Marxism, socialism, all those ugly isms, they have core beliefs that are inflicted on the people in those countries, regardless of what those people think or want or believe. And they're always and forever about controlling the people's ability to live out their dreams, their, their version of life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. You know, I talked about this in my book I wrote years ago, which was called Ladies Can We Talk about, you know, and many, many people have made this point, but we have in this world, every country that roots itself, that finally settles on communism, essentially makes some law or provision that just simply deprives its citizens of the right to leave. I mean, you know, the whole East Germany, West Germany, that was divided. Many young people in America today don't even remember the, that time. They, they weren't around at that time. But the Berlin Wall was a divider line between everyone in West Germany and, and, and West into Europe could do anything. They, they could move where they wanted. They could travel where they wanted. They had freedom, God-given freedom. Everyone on the eastern side of the wall, East Berlin and, and further east, was all about communism. And the wall was there not to prevent the West Germans, the free people, from doing whatever they want, but to prevent the people of East Germany and those living under communism. Because at its core, uh, the leftist ideology does not believe that people have any inherent rights at all. Most certainly not the right to live in freedom. So back to where we are in America today, we have a, we are watching unfold before us this Orwellian government out of the Biden administration in Washington, and not just the Biden team and the cabal at the White House, but that mindset has infested the American Republic. It has infested many aspects of the American bureaucracy where the notion is no longer trying to have a country where you're cultivating the maximum amount of freedom of the individual, but instead you are trying to cultivate a society that is a subservient bunch of sheep who do whatever the government says, whatever that they won't think for themselves, they accept rebuke if they dare to think for themselves, and they have no God-given identity, no God-given purpose, no God-given rights, that the people are supposed to accept this. This is a core of today's Democrat Party, which is, as I mentioned earlier, has just completely succumbed to Marxism. 
They wouldn't call themselves that if today's Democrat Party, if every candidate were required to run as a Marxist, you know, they'd, they'd be in trouble. They, they wouldn't win that election. But they put those ideas in place and we're watching them unfold before us uh, in this country right now. So I'm going to wrap up the first five by saying this. I said yesterday, I ran through a litany of all the dangers that the Biden administration, that America faces because of the policies and practices and ideas of the Biden administration. We're living under tremendous, a, a long list of very dangerous threats to America. And maybe the most dangerous threat to America of all is this, that in America, we have lost, too many people have lost this idea of America's unique and extraordinary greatness, its commitment to individual liberty, period, full stop. You have individual liberty, not to do whatever you want and go kill people, but the idea to live your life in freedom and that sense of hope and trust and expectation of good and progress and promise that comes from the founding idea of America. And it also comes from the notion that each of us have God-given rights and privileges. So with that, my very fine friends, I'll wrap up today's first five. Okay, so, so much happened yesterday. And yesterday, uh, right before the show was starting, uh, the news of this horrific shooting in Nashville came out. And I didn't have any of the uh, data. I didn't know the um, facts yet much. And so um, I didn't say too much about it, but I call this segment, um, you know, Nashville hate crime, who's to blame? So for now, now at this point, we do understand a few more facts. I'm gonna take just seconds to tell you those facts. The uh, shooter, who is now deceased, thank goodness, but the shooter is a woman um, who was pretending to be a man and was a, you know, identified as transgender. And so, and this person had attended this very school, this Christian school, and this person had literally uh, walked in un unencumbered because there was no protection at that school, apparently, uh, walked in carrying uh, very dangerous weapons and guns and went upstairs and ended up essentially killing uh, six people, three uh, young students, I think, Two were nine years old, one was eight, uh, and three adults. And so the police, unlike what happened in Uvalde, Texas, the police responded very quickly in Nashville. They were in the building. It's like within nine minutes um, and had taken out the shooter. But I, I really, so obviously we say all the time, thoughts and prayers go out for those families. It's just something, obviously, the most horrific thing imaginable. But I want to talk about what happened almost immediately afterwards. Like it's kind of a, I use the expression who's to blame, uh, but I think it's important to understand where the left goes almost right away. And so we're going to play, I have two clips uh, by President Biden. So he, so the Biden White House became aware of this shooting and he first went downstairs uh, in the White House to the, a gathering there and he made a few little, so this first little clip is his first kind of reaction. Uh, he's talking on the day of the shooting of what happened. So this is the first clip, if we can play that please. Mr. Emilio. My name is Joe Biden. I'm Dr. Joe Biden's husband. And I ate Jenny's ice cream, chocolate chip. I came down because I heard there was chocolate chip ice cream. By the way, I have a whole refrigerator full upstairs. You think I'm kidding? I'm not. Okay, so, you know, he likes ice cream. Everyone knows this. But it was a very somber moment. And I'm not saying that, that playing that clip reflects that he doesn't care. But the optics, the theatrics, of him knowing what happened, and he's joking about ice cream. Um, I, I mean, it's just, it's symbolic of how completely unserious he is in the whole White House. But he did go on, his next remarks will also play right now, Mr. Emilio. 
I just want to speak very briefly about the school shooting in Nashville, Tennessee. It's sick. You know, we're still gathering the facts of what happened and why. And we do know that as of now, there are a number of people who are not going to, did not make it, including children. It's heartbreaking, uh, a family's worst nightmare. And I want to commend the police who responded incredibly swiftly, within minutes, and the danger. And uh, we have to do more to stop gun violence. It's ripping our communities apart, ripping the soul of this nation, ripping at the very soul of the nation. We have to do more to protect our schools so they aren't turned into prisons. You know, uh, the shooter in this situation reportedly had two assault weapons and a pistol. So I call on Congress again to pass my assault weapons ban. It's about time that we begin to make some more progress. Okay, so this is Biden who's going to what every leftist always goes to, which is, it's the gun's fault. And I'm going to tell you whose real fault it really is. First of all, first and foremost, it's always the shooter's fault. It's the shooter's fault because they engaged in the action they did. But the deeper point I want to make about what they're... Um, what happened that day, uh, yesterday, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and I'm, again, you know, the, you can't even define words adequate um, to describe the level of evil and the um, uh, and, and horror and just great sadness. So, number one, this person was transgender. I am not saying that every transgender person is prone to violence, obviously not. I am saying that part of what's happened in our society is we have agreed to engage in the lunacy of claiming that transgenderism is a real thing, that, that being trans, the transgender ideology uh, reflects a, um, a, a real identity. And I'll just take you back for a second, two things. One is, uh, when our, many years ago, there was a young girl that we knew, our family knew, and she was endlessly, endlessly, endlessly engaging in pretense. Okay, I'll be Ariel, you be somebody, you know, Ursula the Bad Witch, or whatever it was, endlessly pretense. And the notion of pretends and having a, an imagination when you're young is wonderful. And it, as when you're older, people who can be creative and imaginative. But we knew, talking to this young person and anyone else, that you're not really Ariel, and, and I'm not really Ursula Bad Witch. We're not those things. And, and we have, in this transgenderism thing, we have allowed the discussion to change from, I, someone who claims I have one you know, biology, I, I am either a boy or a girl, and that's all there are, two genders, I'm a boy or a girl, um, and I wish I were the other, or I want to become the other. That's at least a recognition that that's what's happening. But what has happened in this last I don't even know, 10 years or so, maybe it's been 20 years, is we have switched our language and our treatment of the issue. Instead of saying to someone, oh, you're a girl and you want to become a boy, we say, oh, you are whatever you say you are. That's what gender ideology is. It's important to understand that. I had a great, great interview with a doctor named Dr. Miriam Grossman uh, months ago on one of my third, not only, anyway, I don't think it was a Thursday show, but if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, or just, or just you know, Google uh, Debbie George Addison, Dr. Miriam Grossman, and she's a New York City uh, psychiatrist, bravely speaking up and saying that the whole concept of gender ideology is a myth it is a non-existent thing. And she talked to my show about some doctor uh, years ago, named, I believe his name was Dr. Money. His last name was Money, like the word money. 
And he posited this brand new theory that gender is entirely a mental construct and is entirely an ideology. So it's a mental construct. So you can say you are whatever you think you are. And this was rebuked and laughed at and scorned in his time. And after a really horrific case, which I'm not going to go into again today, but you know, it was even more widely scorned. What's happened over the, uh, the decades is we have transitioned as a society from recognizing that some young people are troubled and confused and want to be the other uh, gender and, and they need love and attention, and, and but they also need reality in the same way as this young person telling us, you know, oh, yeah, I'm Ursula, you know, you're or, or whatever, I'm or Ariel and you're Ursula Badwitch. Or someone today, if you met someone on the street, they said, you know, I am Barbara Streisand. You would not say, wow, I'd love to come hear you sing. When's your next concert? If they weren't Barbara Streisand, you'd say, you know, well, I'm, you're clearly mentally ill. Because if you really believe you're Barbara Streisand, and I'm looking at you and I know you're not, you're mentally ill. People who immerse themselves in transgenderism, it is a mental illness. There's no difference between saying, I am Barbara Streisand, or I am really, you know, the gender opposite of what I really am. But this, this gender ideology mentality, so the first mistake and who's to blame is to treat gender ideology as though it's a real thing. It's not like, you know, you have an infection, you have a, you have a cold virus, you have a thing. It's entirely mental. And when people have other mental illnesses of various kinds, we don't say, oh, that's what you are. We try to help them back to normalcy and reality. There's actually a, a line of therapy they call reality therapy. I actually remember reading about thinking, why, why should there be any other kind? Everything should be a reality therapy. You should be trying to help people see, no, you're not Barbara Streisand, uh, and you're not really whatever it is you are confused thinking you are. But because we made this transition in our society and how we talk about this issue, so now we have people who are not just wanting to change genders, but people who are being honored and respected when they say, I'm not really, I am really a woman. I am really a man when they're not. We have, it gets us to the next phase of the problem, which is we have, because of the cultivation in our society, in our schools especially, of cultivating this whole gender ideology and, you know, 52 genders or however many they claim there are now, because we allow it to be and we speak of it and we treat it as though it's a real thing, then we've allowed people to become angry because they're being, in their view, discriminated against. We are cultivating anger in these people because when we say it's not a change you want to make to yourself, but it's who you are, well, you know, people always have thought, well, I don't want to be discriminated against for who I am, you know? I'm born, you know, I don't want to be discriminated against because I'm a woman, because I'm white. No one else wants to be discriminated against uh, because of inherent characteristics that they just are. But when you tell this transgender, use this, trans, this confused transgender ideology and let people, young people say, or anyone say, this is who I am, then they are righteously angry because they can't be accepted. They think they're not being accepted, which gets to the next problem. We are cultivating anger in the community um, of people who are confused about their own gender, who are uh, leading themselves down a, um, path of confusion. And so we cultivate anger and resentment towards society. 
because they're angry, because they aren't accepted for what they are, think they are. They're confused, but they think they're that. And they're angry because society won't use their pronouns or he, him, or whatever it is. The third thing is, because we have cultivated this to this degree, we now have a, 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 a kind of an army of advocates behind them who are 100% supporting them um, and standing, thinking they're standing up for the downtrodden in the world because they're standing up for people who say that this is who they are. So we're cultivating this anger. It's a mental illness. We are intentionally cultivating both um, victimhood and just an outrage uh, mentality. And it's the same thing that happens with critical race theory in public schools. As we cultivate this in public schools and we convince people you really, really are whatever you want to be, whatever you say you are, and you can change your mind every day and, and everyone has to go along with you, uh, where you end up is you have these people embracing this idea themselves, very divisive because others who are of Christian faith and don't accept this, don't believe that, do believe we have God-given identity. You know, it, it is an inherent conflict because the transgender community and what's happened in part in the transgender movement is we now have, as I said, these advocates behind them. And there's actually supposed to be coincidentally or perhaps meaningfully on April 1st, April Fool's Day, there is to be a large protest of the transgender community outside the Supreme Court demanding their rights. So this has gone from people who are confused about their gender they're, they're, you know, every cell in their body is either male or female. And what was that from conception, but they say they're the other we've cultivated, we've changed the thinking of from, you know, you're one, but you want to be the other to you are whatever you say you are to you're, you're entitled to you're a victim. If people won't agree with you, that you are the opposite of what you are to outrage because people are, they, they must, you're a victim and that you are outraged and won't accept it. So now they're going to have a big march outside of the Supreme court. Uh, to stand up for, they say, our transgender rights. Um, and so you, you get to that point, which I'm going to digress a little bit to say, it is also is very much similar to what happens with critical race theory. Critical race theory was never, ever, ever intended to heal race relations. It was never intended to build racial understanding. The entire purpose of critical race theory was this Marxist roots. It has Marxist roots in its very ideology to say, you are your entire identity is to be defined by the color of your skin, not the content of your character, not your inherent skills and interests and abilities and talents and, and what you want to do with your life and your, your missions, your, your dreams. None of that are you. All you are is a blob of matter to be defined by color. That's what critical race theory says. So critical race theory says you have no uniqueness except your color. You have people divided by color. So you have people of color, especially African-Americans are permanent victims. All white people are permanent oppressors and no one can ever leave, leave those assigned categories. We've talked about before, but understand critical race theory was developed in America when the Marxist movement in this country realized they could not spread the anger that uh, some in other countries could spread among the population to build up support for Marxism and destroy the love of freedom. 
in Lenin and Marx, they would use economic distinctions and say, well, you know, the poor or the you know working people have to rise up against the rich people. They could build, they could do that in other countries. It didn't work in America well, so they turned to race. They turned to race as a means of dividing society. Marxists must always divide society, and so here they did a long race. Well, the same thing. The same thing with critical race theory, dividing people in America along the lines of race, all to create the uh, chaos, confusion, uh, suspicion, resentment, and division in society. It's the same thing with this transgender ideology. It is a direct target, uh, the transgender movement, not by the people, the young people who get confused and lured into it because their teacher keeps telling them these lunatic things in school, but by the people pulling the strings, the people orchestrating, the same people orchestrating critical race theory, and they've got society, beside, American society, uh, troubled in its racial relations. And then they have the, the Christian movement, the Christian faith in America being attacked by the transgender activist, by the transgender advocate saying, these Christian people, they're not allowed to be teaching their kids that you have God-given identity. And they are. then Christians are the enemy of the transgender movement. It is not coincidental that this attack happened at a Christian school. And that happened in Tennessee, where the state of Tennessee had just passed a law essentially saying, the governor had signed, essentially saying, we're not going to have transgender grooming in kindergarten. We're not going to have drag queen shows in public schools. Trying to remove this, this um, invasion of into childhood by the transgender advocacy movement and by just the, more broadly speaking, the, the just the, the sexual bizarreness movement in this country. So when you look for who to blame yesterday, beside the shooter herself, she's been cultivated into thinking, I mean, she's been taught in her uh, life and by our society, our politicians, that transgenderism is really real, that she is a victim, that she has a right to be outraged, that the Christian community is against her. As a matter of fact, the government's against her because they passed a law saying we're not gonna have transgender grooming of kindergartners. Leftism, as I said at the start of this show in the first five, is an enemy of the idea of America. It's an enemy of freedom. It's an enemy of happiness. It's an enemy of abundance. It's an enemy of the family. It's an enemy of America. All the leftists in this country, plenty of them get drawn in with the idea, well, you know, like there are enough young people now saying that they think they're transgender. I guess, you know, we got to try to humor them. Humoring a pretend is never the right answer. Humoring a young child who keeps thinking she is Ursula the sea witch or Ariel is not healthy. And, and, and humoring a person so confused that she's saying, I'm Barbara Streisand is not healthy. Reality therapy, we all have to embrace and stop playing along with a pretend. It always ends up hurting. It cultivates people like the shooter in the Nashville school. For our radio listeners, you're about to go off on a quick break, three minutes. Do come back to America Can We Talk. You can find the show online at americacanwetalk.org. Um, and I and do come back. Okay, so everybody else, um, I do want to hit a lot on Nashville. I, I have many more uh, points to make about them, so I'm sure I'll be talking about it again. But this young shooter, this uh, woman who was 28, and she was a woman thinking she was a man or, or you know, dressing as a man, and, and I don't know whether she had engaged in any of the um, surgery or any of the treatments to begin the actual physical transition, which you really can never do and you can't accomplish, even though you think you can. Uh, but she was deeply angry, left uh, messages about how she was going to die today, and that's the way it had to be. But the other big point I want to take, and where the left always goes with this, um, has to do with guns. And I'm um, 
I played the little clip earlier about what Joe Biden had to say. But I want to repeat it again, as my dad used to say, I'm repeating for emphasis. Understand that every Marxist, every 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 leftist just lusting for more power, more control, lusting to take away the freedom of the people in their country. Every leftist who loves Marxism and socialism and communism and thinks that's the future, it's a beautiful thing, we're gonna impose equity, we can force equity. All these people recognize they have to confiscate guns. Guns and an armed citizenry, especially an armed citizenry that believes in freedom, is an enemy of a government that wants to be tyrannical, that wants to control people. So Joe Biden and every other leftist in this country goes immediately to the question, well, you see, if we didn't have guns, never would have happened, you know, which I, you know, I'm going to repeat these points as I've had other times gun discussion, gun discussions come up. Number one, I live in Texas. Many of our friends have guns, lots of guns. I have women friends who love hunting, who go hunting and actually kill animals and, and you know clean them and eat them. I have friends who go target shooting. I literally have dozens of friends who own guns and they own more than one gun. Not one of them has ever hurt anybody. They don't go, they don't shoot people. They don't wander into public schools or any other place. They don't hurt people. They own guns in part for sport, in part for self-defense, and there are many stories that never get reported, in fact, I should probably report more of them, of guns being successfully used, especially by women in self-defense in their homes. And so you have this enormous um, you know, cache of guns owned by private citizens in America, and every leftist in this world sees an armed citizenry as a danger, as, as almost as a, a boulder in the road to their effort to take down freedom in the country. And so this, it is no surprise the left goes, well, let's grab guns and, and understand the Second Amendment is there in the Constitution, not because everyone really loves to go hunting and not even just to defend your home. The Second Amendment is in the Constitution and is nearly absolute. It's in the Constitution because it is intended to be a a balance of power between the people and the government because the founders of our country did not write the Constitution and the Bill of Rights because they just came back from a really cool hunting expedition. They came back even at that time because they recognized the notion that governments always trend toward tyranny. Governments always trend toward taking freedom away. They were striving with all their might to create a country where freedom was rooted in the very founding of the country. And the idea of the Second Amendment is to keep this, an armed citizenry, except for a few exceptions, like you can't be armed if you're a prisoner in a state or federal prison, and you can't be armed. Some people are not permitted to be armed because of mental illness. Some can't be armed because of uh, past felony convictions involving guns. So there are limits. But for the most part, taking away guns is never the right answer. And when you hear your friends say this, Recognize it is, it is as important to stand up for the freedom of speech as it is to stand up for the freedom of law-abiding citizens to own guns. And every restriction the federal government tries or the state governments try to put on are only trending and helping America trend away from God-given freedom and trend more and more toward a government-controlled society. And this is where the left is going to go with this. I, I'm, really, I'm just finally wrapping up that segment uh, for our radio listeners, uh, wrapping up our segment about Nashville to say, you know, my, my takeaways on Nashville, uh, just, just, you know, 
unspeakable evil. Uh, my heart broken for everyone uh, who lost their life and their families and their loved ones in the school. Um, and America has to respond and make the hard answers. The hard answers to is, is to get our heads straight about stop talking about transgenderism as though it's a real thing, like being left-handed is a real thing. You're born left-handed or right-handed. You're not born transgender. And we have, and there are plenty of actual psychiatrists and psychologists saying this, that we've indulged this lunacy. And now we have people, because they've been told it's real, that you really, you're not just a girl wishing you were a boy or the opposite. You are whatever you think you are when you woke up today. And it's no more sane to accept that than it is to say that I woke up thinking I'm Barbara Streisand, so why doesn't someone hire me to sing? I'm not Barbara Streisand, and transgenderism is, you know, it's a, to me, a different question morally and legally for adults who have the wherewithal and they wish to make a transition. You know, that's their life and that they want to do it. You know, it's, it's a free country. But we have harmed America's children by legitimizing transgenderism as a real thing and then instilling in them both a sense of victimhood and outrage and then anger because everyone won't agree with them and, and much to the detriment of American society. Okay, I do a bunch of three of the topics I hope to hit. Um, and even though I grew up in New York and talk kind of fast, uh, you know, I mean, I get to all of them. But I want to talk about uh, something happened um, to um, actually the one cl other closing point about Nashville. I really urge you to think about the idea uh, that the, the same people who push um, the critical race theory, the same people who push you are whatever race you're born and you have no other identity than that are the same people that push transgenderism as a real thing. It's time for experts of all kinds, it's time for American people to stand up and say, this is not a real thing. This is not advocating unkindness, it's not advocating, uh, and, and the children who fall for this are largely victims. When you read their stories, which we've done the show before, they're largely victims. They're not, they're not the proponents. They are the innocent victims being manipulated by this. But the answer is not to continue to indulge this, uh, indulge something that's, that is a pretend. We, we just shouldn't indulge it. Okay, I was gonna tell you something. Well, the most interesting thing. So y'all probably know the name Matt Taibbi. And he was a guy um, who, as a quick aside, grew up as a Democrat. And he grew up as a Democrat in part, he says, because he loves freedom of speech. And he always thought the Democrat Party was the one who would stand up for freedom of speech. So he has been instrumental as a journalist among the people who is exposing to the public all of the control, the censorship coming out of the federal government, coming out of Joe Biden's administration, uh, censorship in the form of what is produced and shown on um, what showed up on Twitter. And so you have his testimony, his, uh, so his, he's first of all been helping America unpack all that the control uh, of the federal government, of the um, Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, essentially controlling what the American people through Twitter were allowed to see and know. And so he's played a monumental role and he's testifying in Congress about it too. He's just saying, you know, yeah, this is what they were doing. They were stopping. And, and some of the things that he particularly outraged him was that the federal government was working to withhold from the American people truth about some things involving treatments for COVID, like actual withholding truth. 
because the people shouldn't get to know the truth. They should just have to do what the government wants them to do. So he, Matt Taibbi, um, was testifying um, in Congress. I'm going to tell you which committee he was testifying, um, but Jim Jordan's committee on weaponization of the federal government, uh, which is a great, I love the name of the committee. I love Jim Jordan. So he's testifying there. Lo and behold, he's testifying there about the weaponization of government against their political opponents. At the same time, the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, already known by conservatives as, you know, the one, the administration agency that Obama used to torture Tea Parties, to punish Tea Party people, to make sure they, they were delayed or just denied their ability to get their 501c3 certification. So the IRS shows up at Taibbi's home. Well, he's up there testifying Congress. Note on the door. Now, we, we're here to see. At least they didn't break the door down, as the FBI regularly does. But in any case, Taibbi has gotten a notice uh, that he is uh, being investigated by the IRS. And um, the so they show up at his home on March 9th. And, and I'm just going to tell you a, a few thoughts about that. We'll probably... Uh, talk about this more. Uh, one quick fact is that I guess Fox reached out to IRS and said, could we get your comment? I mean, number one, you know, you don't normally just show up at people's homes. Normally, if the IRS is coming after you, they send you a letter, probably a certified letter says, you know, dear Jane Doe, you know, or John Doe, uh, you know, you, you're taxes are up for a regular audit or routine audit, or, you know, we have concerns about your tax return. We're going to be auditing you. They, they communicate with you. But they didn't do that with him. They just showed up at his front door and left a note on the door. And this is a guy who is exposing the corruption of the Biden administration. So Obama used the IRS to hassle patriots who did not support him, the Tea Party movement. And now Biden, Obama's you know former vice president, Biden, his administration, IRS, showing up at the home of a guy who is testifying in Congress about what he understood from actually looking at the Twitter files, which were records of conversations and communications between Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and Twitter people where the government's essentially censoring what goes out on Twitter. And I'm just gonna make a few points about this because I talked earlier in the show today about how leftism ruins everything. At the start of the show, I talked about how leftism ruins everything. To be a real leftist, you have to believe the idea that the people have no right to think for themselves. Leftism is rooted in the idea that we, the government, we, the tyrannical, we, those in, those in control, we control everything. And these silly peasant citizens, millions of them as there are, these peasants, these everyday citizens, they have no right to hold an opinion or express an opinion not tolerated by the regime. And so they're infamous around the world, Marxist governments, socialist, communist, Marxist governments, forever and a day are silencing the people. So Taibbi is trying to report. So here's the Biden administration uh, and their agents in the, um, and you know, by the way, Biden, yes, Biden, his team and the administration under him, much of this is occurring, obviously, during the Trump administration. And so if you're thinking, well, that one Trump was president, he did it too. No. No, this is a mindset. 
that has invaded America's government. It's a mindset of tyrannical control, intolerance for the notion of freedom of speech and freedom of ideas and the freedom of communication or assembly. This is an a mindset, an ideology that has invaded the bureaucracy in Washington and, and survived that whole mindset of intolerance of freedom largely cultivated during the Obama years, the eight years of Obama, and you know, below the surface, but still right there in the in the bureaucracy in Washington under in Trump's first term. And so now you have under Biden, you have the IRS obviously intimidating a guy who is exposing to the US Congress, the Weaponization of Government Committee, what the left is doing to the American people, utilizing, weaponizing government against the people, and the, the IRS shows up at his house. And then uh, two more points about the story, because I could go on and on about it. I, I, I found it so outrageous. Other points are, two other points to consider. One is, what the IRS is saying to him, Taibi, is that we can ruin your life. Please understand, a first-year law student who took tax law understands that tax the tax code is rife with occasions, uh, with tripwires, with rife with tripwires. So the average citizen filling out a tax form, fully intending and trying to be honest, can fail to report something or make some categorizations incorrect. And the more income you have and the more complex your tax form return is, or tax return is, the more likely it's very simple for someone in the IRS to review your taxes and say, well, you know, this isn't right. I mean, this, this you know, th this isn't right. You've committed tax fraud. So it's a threat to Taibi directly telling him, you know, the IRS is now in your case and you really better watch your step. But the second point is, it is the willingness of the Biden administration, and actually to be really clear, of the, the ilk, the mindset of people throughout many federal agencies who've embraced this mindset that says the American people better figure out they don't have the freedom they used to have, and we're going to run things for them, and we're going to tell them what's okay to say, and we're going to shut them down. The same treatment they're giving the January 6 prisoners, the January 6 people who didn't even, you know, some of them didn't enter the Capitol and got charged with crimes. The IRS is sending this message, not just to Matt Taibbi, but to every American, don't you dare cross us. That's what the IRS is saying to America. Understand, someone who exposes the tyranny of the Biden administration and points out to the American people what, what they were doing and is telling the American people how through Twitter, the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI were censoring what you're allowed to read, what you're allowed to publish, what you can see, what you're allowed to understand. The message from the IRS is not just to threaten Taibbi to shut up. It's to all American people saying, you know, you're going to be really, really sorry if you cross us. I wouldn't do it if I were you. That's what the IRS is saying. And if there ever was a hallmark, when I keep talking about our country is toppled over the edge already, we're already over the cliff and going down the cliff to socialism and Marxism. The idea the government would do this and, and the idea that they have, they're not even apparently reticent. They're not shy about doing this. They're not thinking, well, gee, you know, if everybody knows that we are going after our enemies, you know, then, then we might look at, they don't care. 
They think they're invincible. They think no one's going to stop them. No one's going to speak up. It's a truly alarming time. But we'll keep on following the Taibbi story. Um, I had a quick thing about the Restrict Act. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a, a quick summary of it because I do want to get to telling you um, a little bit more about the show. But um, there's a, a new act, a bill in Congress called the Restrict Act. And you know how people in Congress um, is actually, I, I bet there's someone who has a job for Congress thinking up the names of bills that can end up with an acronym that is a word. I don't know if that's really true, but the Restrict Act, um, I actually printed it out and I, I have some clips of it to show you, but I'm going to spare you that today. The short story is the Restrict Act stands for Restricting the Emergence of Security Threats that Risk Information and Communications Technology Act, or for short, Restrict Act. And everyone's focusing on the Restrict Act, the idea that the U.S. government wants to ban TikTok. And TikTok is, uh, you know, comes from China. The TikTok app comes from China. I don't have it on my phone, but a lot of my friends do. And the TikTok um, app is of great concern to many Americans because the Chinese Communist Party uses it to spy on America. And this is not apparently not even speculation. They just it's China uses uses the TikTok app to spy on Americans. So people are rah rah. This is great. Yeah, get rid of the tick of the TikTok. You know. And so the idea is to ban it in America. And by the way, Matt Taibbi had a it wasn't too. It was a great idea. Um, what, there we go. We're trying to get myself. Okay. Uh, so Matt Taibbi had a point out about how, um, you know, we better be really careful what we agree the government should ban because it could be, you know, it can go back to haunt us. They're going to ban other things, which I think is a fair point. But in any case, somebody wisely dove into the Restrict Act. And part of the Restrict Act, which everyone's saying, yeah, yes, I'm in favor of that, ban TikTok is our provisions allowing the federal government to essentially spy on every bit of communication you and anyone uses, period. Any electronic communication, not just outside your home. Like if you send an email, that goes out. And, and I know the government spies on everything anyway, so people might say, well, so what? But this is a huge step legitimizing legitimizing uh, the government doing this. The government just saying, well, yeah, as long as we, you know, uh, have the capacity to do this, um, you know, we're going to go ahead and, um, and you know, uh, we're going to spell it out in this bill. This bill we're all rah-rahing about eliminate TikTok in America. And uh, what we're going to do instead um, in this bill is behind the scenes, we're going to put in all this legitimization, authorization of the government spying pretty much on all your electronic software inside your house, outside your house, wherever you are. So this leads me to a quick point I wanted to make about the Republicans. Everyone says, at least, you know, the conservatives say, I'm trying to find something to tell you about. Okay. Um, many people will say, well, you know, um, there's a, um, sorry, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry to do that. I want to find something to tell you about if I have time to tell you. But in any case, um, on the Restrict Act, people say, well, at least, you know, we have a Republican majority in the, in the House, so they won't allow this. I want to tell you, we have become desensitized to use the trendy word or just kind of we have been so overwhelmed by the aggressive attack on our privacy on our freedom on our freedom of speech that something like this comes along and we say oh my gosh another bad thing we should have the republican majority in the u.s house and all of the republicans in the senate and frankly any democrat who claims they're not really marxist and socialist should be on their feet and 
announcing to the world we're never going to pass this. We are trying to restrict the government from spying on you. Where are the Republicans? Where are the leaders in the House and Senate saying we cannot continue to legitimize this spying on the American people? We can't legitimize it. We can't tolerate it. Where are those people? I mean, I could name a bunch. I'm going to hold off right now, but I could name a bunch. This is a vital thing to understand. This is the left. Take away a bit of freedom, a little more freedom if they can take away, they're great with it. The more freedom that they can take away, the happier they are. They go for taking away your freedom. And this is, you know, legitimizing and, and authorizing the, uh, the endless invasion of your privacy and endless tracking of your electronic devices. And I mean, I can't even believe we have to have a discussion. I'm hoping because so much clamor has been raised that now the House won't pass it. I think the Senate passed it. But in any case, this idea of the American people should be pressing on the members of Congress saying, are you kidding me? Where are you in standing up for our privacy? So uh, probably more on that. We'll see what happens now that it kind of become public. Um, before I get to my last thing, which I may or may not get to, but I want to very quickly tell you, um, you're listening to America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. If you're on radio or any other place where you can't see the show, I want to urge you to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. At that website, you can read all of the articles I linked to during the show is at our homepage under um, show drop down list of links. We list every story we talked about. You can read the articles that I'm speaking from. I also urge you to join America Can We Talk. We have a membership of only $50 a year. We have a summit coming up. And for your membership, which you mostly do, I hope, out of just desire to support the show and free speech and people speaking out for America. It's $50 a year. You will get a discount on your ticket um, to go uh, to go to the summit in the fall. We're going to have a great summit, as we always have. It's our fourth annual Women for Freedom Summit. Uh, you can also sign up for a newsletter at the website. It says subscribe. It's a free newsletter. It comes out once a week. I'd love to have you subscribe. You can also make donations. This show is donor supported. And so if you can make a donation, I cannot, I ask you to please consider doing that. I have, I've been doing this show for coming up on nine years. I don't get paid. Um, and, you know, we're just, uh, I'm doing this show out of love of America, trying to preserve America's unique and extraordinary greatness. Would love your support if you can do that. So again, go to americacanwetalk.org. Okay, so now the last story I wanted to hit. So yesterday on this show, I was telling you, um, I began talking with you about Israel. And there's a, there's a, you know, big, there are big protests going on in Israel right now. And, you know, as happens in, in so many, um, so many other issues, the real issue gets lost in the clamor and the noise, especially the propaganda media, the propaganda media that just, you know, will endlessly spin the issue, whatever way is, uh, supports leftism, propaganda media will spin it that way. Um, in fact, back to the story of Nashville, I'm going to guess very soon the entire Nashville story will disappear from the media because the shooter, uh, the murderer, turned out to be someone that the left is sympathetic to. And so that's just going to go away as quickly as possible because they don't have someone they hate to pile on. But back to the story about Israel. Israel is in the middle of riots because there is a, a, a movement, a desire by um, Benjamin Netanyahu um, and others supporting him 
to have the courts in Israel brought under, under control um, of the uh, Knesset to some degree. Right now, um, there's, and I, this is a really important point I was making yesterday too. In America, we have a constitution. So if Congress, for example, decided to pass a law saying, forget it, women can't vote, you know, no more voting for women, you know, we, that wouldn't stand because it would go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court would look at the Constitution, say, hey, we have a 19th Amendment as part of the Constitution. It says women can vote. So this law, they would just overturn it because we have a Constitution that tethers uh, the, uh, tethers the, entire government, but tethers the control that the Congress can have over certain things, and the courts are supposed to follow it. I thought they always do. But in Israel, there is no constitution like that. And so the Supreme Court and, and in Israel often makes decisions just using a standard of, well, that doesn't seem very reasonable. I don't like that law. And there's no basis against which to measure it. And so they're pretty much an untethered, small group of people completely in control. And Benjamin Netanyahu is saying, you know, they should have some control, not by the Knesset, but really by the, the people of Israel who vote for the, their Congress is called Knesset, who vote for the people in the Knesset. So the people in the Knesset get um, elected and then they make laws and they would have some minor control over the courts, over who sits on the courts. And uh, the, this uh, bill would not allow them just to overturn uh, decisions of the Knesset. The whole point is, it is a very, what Benjamin Netanyahu is seeking is a very, very modest request, very modest. It is not, you know, at all absurd and crazy. But there, uh, there was a lot of misunderstanding, of course, and they have left-wing media, propaganda media in Israel, just like they have here. So they worked the people up into a tizzy. So now there are protests in the streets. Uh, Netanyahu uh, fired his defense minister because he was coming out against Netanyahu. And so the protests continue. I'm telling all this to say, I learned something today I didn't realize. So the protests in the streets of Israel are, is being orchestrated largely by a guy uh, whose name you are going to recognize, Yuval Harari, Yuval Noah Harari. You're thinking, who is that guy? This is the guy who is the top advisor to the World Economic Forum. Uh, he, is, he is an Israeli, or previously was an Israeli, um, and he is a radical, anti-God, gay atheist who is, is profoundly against the idea of, of every, everything about Western civilization, who has spoken about human beings as injectable units, as essentially mindless carbon units to be controlled and manipulated. This is a total leftist Marxist control guy. And he is leading this charge in Israel, which ought to make sane people even more so on the side of Benjamin Netanyahu. Quick for radio listeners, come back Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And everybody else listening to this show, wherever you're listening or watching, I close this show every week by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So, start our show today. First talked about um, leftism destroys everything. Just memorize that. Leftism destroys everything. Aggressively godless and utterly devoid of love and inspiration supplies no meaning or purpose to life than the exercise of brutal power over others. Seek the destruction of Judaism and Christianity, which means it seeks the destruction of everything good that holds society together. America must find leaders who see leftism for what it is and what it is trying to do and are willing to call it out clearly, repeatedly, forcefully are committed to defeating it and removing it from American government. 
America's battle with leftism is existential, and leftists know it. American patriots must know it, too, <clears throat> and fight back like America's survival depends upon it, because it does. The national hate crime, who's to blame? Dinesh D'Souza poses the right question. What's the difference between a man who says he believes he's a woman and a man who says he believes he's Napoleon Bonaparte? Just like I could say I am Barbara Streisand, but I'm not, and we all know it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Answer, there's no difference. They're both mentally ill. They are not to be hated, but they are not to be humored either. To humor them is to usher them toward tragic victimhood. True help for them begins with a refusal to indulge their delusions. You know, it's delusions, but again, it cultivates that anger and outrage, which um, results in all sorts of terrible things. Transgenderism cultivates mental illness just as CRT cultivates racism. Transgenderism is a denial of God-given identity. That's what leftism is all about. Nashville shooter lashing out at Christian school is symbolic of leftism's hatred of Christianity. Biden and the leftist call for more gun control is willfully blind to the real pathology. But it is, it is a standard move of Marxists throughout history to disarm the citizens. Biden, Taibbi, and the normalization of tyranny. IRS agent showed up unannounced at journalist Matt Taibbi's home just prior to Taibbi's congressional testimony about government censorship at Twitter. No coincidence there. This is pure witness intimidation. This is send a message intimidation of all Americans who would speak up against the government. This is a mindset that views government as an independent, account unaccountable instrument of power and control over people, not <clears throat> as a limited power entity whose purpose is to protect God-given freedom. The irony, Taibbi grew up as an ACLU-loving left-wing Democrat who staunchly supported freedom of speech. Taibbi says he's now an independent. More Democrats need to wake up, as Taibbi has. And the Restrict Act censorship snake and the TikTok ban Concerns over CCP surveillance via TikTok is rational, but Uniparty is moving to authorize government to police all social media. Restrict Act is an abomination to the First Amendment. Where are the Republicans if they won't stand up against destruction of the First Amendment? Americans are awakening every day to the need for all new leaders. And Yuval Harari stoking Israeli riots Harari is a radical leftist turning the rule of law upside down, stoking civil war in Israel. Israel's attempt to rein in rogue courts who make up their own law and nullify the laws enacted by the duly elected legislatures, Knesset, is vital to government by the consent of the governed. Harari believes leftist lawyers in robes must be able to define law and control elected officials who are not as enlightened as they are. This debate should not be justification for strife and division, but leftists sense that their power is at risk, and they are resorting to desperation and fear-mongering tactics. Two quick things before the end of the show today, my very fine friends. One is our guest tomorrow on the show is Sam Faddis, who is a former CA operative, a brilliant, brilliant thinker, writer at AND Magazine. Check him out, AND Magazine Substack. 
uh, and he's going to be wonderful. Thursday, our guest is Mark Fulmer. Mark Fulmer wrote the most insightful, short, readable book on the Wuhan labs, the release of this bioweapon, which was COVID, and its tie to the global reset, the great reset. Brilliant book, brilliant guy. Two more great shows coming up this week. So I thank each and every one of you every day for tuning in to America Can We Talk on Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. I thank you for listening to the show. I do America Can We Talk to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear-